majority of people, it's the silent majority. And those are the those are the people that are in the middle. Right. They're not loud. They're not boisterous. They just want to do their thing and be left alone for the most part. And whether that you lean left or lean right, it's those people that are in the middle that always get overlooked when it comes to um, advocacy of any type and all that stuff. It just seems like there's more advocacy on, when you're talking in hunting realm, there's more advocacy rank and file members on the anti side, because it's kind of hard to get hunters and stuff to really get amped up and go to these meetings and all this other stuff and really be awesome. loud. No anti-hunting organization has ever like just come out and said like, we're banning hunting, period. It's always started with, well, let's ban trapping. Let's ban these methods. Let's ban these other methods that are un unethical. It's like, why do you need to trap animals and drown them in underwater or use a body gripper and snatch them? And, you know, it's so inhumane to do it that way. Like, we shouldn't be trapping anymore. Okay, so then they ban trapping and say, oh, and the, the trapping community is even smaller than the hunting community. So then that gets taken away. Then it's like hound hunting. Oh, we shouldn't be running bears and mountain lions and stuff with dogs. That's unfair. Like, we shouldn't be doing that. That's not ethical. So then hound hunting gets, um, you know, banned. And then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, bow hunting. That's not very ethical. Like shooting things with a pointy stick. Like that's not very good. Like just use a rifle. Like that's way more ethical. And then bow hunting gets banned. And then, oh, but now... Our gun, you know, it's like it's, it's a really slippery slope and if you look away for too long before you know it you know your way of life can be taken from you and you don't even have a say in the matter we really need to be in line more like with the hunting community and the 2a community we all need to be together because like the Pittman Robertson Act, whether you like it or not, it did bring those two worlds together and really ingrained us. So we need to support each other as well. The Second Amendment side of things, like the gun side of things, like it's a lot, it's honestly a lot bigger yeah. than hunting. Sure. And if we're all together and we're intertwined and we're linked together with this common thing like Pittman Robertson or something like that, you know, it's like if we're interconnected like that, then we should have each other's backs more. I feel like when push comes to shove, but there's this, there's a constant fracturing between the two sides, it seems like, and it's bad actors really sowing that division, and it's disgusting. Hey guys, welcome to 2024. Thank you for all the years of support. Been at this a long time, and uh, appreciate you sticking with me. And if you're a new listener, thank you for tuning in. If you could help me out by going to iTunes or Spotify and leaving us a review, really appreciate it. it helps me keep this free speaking of keeping this free check out phoenix shooting bags use promo code john stallone to save 20 percent on everything that they have and lastly if you could do yourself a favor help protect hunting help protect your heritage and get involved with how for wildlife that's how h-o-w-l for wildlife.org go check it out get involved without further ado let's jump into this episode so in this episode, I was asked to collaborate with a fellow podcaster beyond their show. So I decided to repackage it and air it on my show to share that information with you guys. So check it out. Check out uh, these guys' podcast. Thanks. All right. John Stallone. How are you doing, man? Can't complain. Well, nobody listens to me Can't. when I complain anyway. So actually, I complain yeah. a lot. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do <laughs> those people who know it's me the favorite. best know like if i'm not complaining something's actually wrong <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you just shut down when something's actually wrong yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh that's funny so uh you want to give us just a quick backstory on yourself and what you do and kind of all that good stuff sure there's a kind of a lot to unpack there but 
I'm a lifelong hunter. Been hunting since I'm five. I'm 47 now, almost 48. I am the vice president for Alpha Wildlife for the purpose of this podcast. We'll probably be talking about that mostly. But um, mm-hmm. I've worn a lot of hats in the industry. I've had a TV show. I'm a podcast host myself. I've been podcasting, as far as I know, longer than anybody else in the hunting space since 2004. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah so I'm a- one of the original, one of the OGs. So, yeah, that's a long ass time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I've been a writer. I've, I've authored a few books, The Secrets of Hunting Western Game, The Whitetail Hunter's Blueprint. I've written for magazines. Been all over it, you know, radio. Yep. You, you mentioned it. Uh, I've probably done it. I'm an avid bow hunter. Uh, I do enjoy rifle hunting. And I don't really have a specific species that I'm that I absolutely love, like, but or one more than the other anyway, I should say. I, I love hunting everything. I'm kind of a generalist and I love mm-hmm. hunting everywhere. I'm kind of like an adventure hunter. Like my, like my, that what drives me is the adventure of it. Um, you know, I like to, to see what's over, you know, over there versus over here, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, you're, definitely more of like a let's go somewhere different kind of guy or like when you're talking I say to that. and stuff like that you just like to get around yeah i say that i mean i have my spots that i continually frequent but i always like to have at least one or two hunts a year that are new mm-hmm. um and you know i'll go back to my my old stops and you know i like i go to south dakota every year i go to new york every other year of course i hunt here in my home state of arizona you know, but I typically will bounce around and I'll, I'll go a couple of years in one state and then I'll go a couple of years in another state and just kind of learn new things and see new things. And even though the species yeah. might be the same, there's always a little difference, you know, going from state to state, region to region. So, yeah, for sure. That's one thing that I'm really big on myself too, is just getting out and getting around and just seeing new things that's why uh i went to africa for the first time well it'll be two years ago now nice um gonna go gonna go back this year and it's just one of those things like i just really want to go out and see all sorts of different stuff and have all sorts of different experiences as well like i love but it is really nice um kind of coming back and i guess i i look at it almost like a, a sports thing right where you go to like a place like africa or you go to I, mean, I I live in Iowa, so going to like Wyoming or mm-hmm. Idaho or Colorado, it's like those are like all away games, and those are awesome and they're fun and yes. they're all so much fun in their own right for sure. But it is really nice coming back and conducting your home games, you know, and like going to places that you're familiar with, especially when it comes to white tails and stuff in the Midwest. But, yeah, I've yet to hunt yeah, Iowa. I want to. I've been I've been meaning to. I just haven't uh, I haven't put it together yet. There, that's there's a few Midwest states that I haven't haunted yet that I really, Kansas, Iowa, and I haven't been to Nebraska. I think I've done everything else. Yeah. Those are two bucket list states I want to hunt too, is Nebraska and Kansas really bad. Yeah. What, have you, do you have points for Iowa? I do. I do. do you? I, have, okay. I have several points. Yeah, I think. Several points? 
six or seven. Yeah. I got a lot. Oh yeah. You're yeah. You can draw damn near any county you want or any yeah. zone you want that. I know, but I'm afraid not to put in if, like I haven't I haven't applied for an actual tag. I just keep applying for the yeah. bonus point. So yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I gotta do it. Um Do you not do well with rejection, John? No, I, I'm fine with rejection. Okay. <laughs> I'm fine with rejection. I, That's, uh, I just, I'm not uh, good with rejection. <laughs> I just keep... Uh, the problem that I've been having lately in the last like five years or so with going to uh, the Midwest states is that usually the typical... Typically, the best time to go is sometime in early November. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's the case in Iowa, but... Typically, that's yeah. how it's been. Like, I used to go to Illinois and Missouri all the time, and but and I haven't been because I guide in South Dakota for 15 days, mm. and it's really tough for me to get back from a 15 day stint and say, "Honey, yeah. I'm going here." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, November um, November is pretty much shot for me now because I keep mm-hmm. having. And I don't want to not go to South Dakota because one, it's awesome hunting for me. I potentially may stop guiding there so that I could, or at least for a year, mm-hmm. um, so go for myself, but then I can go for six days and then I could go six days somewhere else, you know, break it up. Instead oh yeah. Spending the, all that time in one, in one state. So that's, yeah, uh, sure. That's what I need to do, which I don't think is going to happen. Uh, it's definitely not going to happen this year because we're going to be giving away one of my mule deer hunts in South Dakota um, oh, cool. for, for the people who are joining Howlful Wildlife. So we might as well tell you, I think by the time, I don't know when you plan to release this podcast, but we should have up, there's going to be a special membership that when you join, it's going to kind of like act as your entry for that hunt. It'll be pretty, uh, I I don't know what the odds will be, but it'll probably be one of the best odds to get a fully outfitted mule deer hunt. So we're going to, we're going to have that. It's going to be one of the focal points. We're going to be at the hunt expo in Salt Lake City, which is Mule Deer Foundation puts on it's a big show and that we're going to kind of like release it there, but it, it will actually have it up on the website too here coming up shortly, I think in the next week or so. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Do you, you want to go over that real quick and just put the, do you have the dates out, like uh, the end date out? For the hunt itself? Uh, for the competition or the giveaway. Yeah. So I don't know when we're actually going to let people know who won, but um, we should, I think we should have that up the first week of February and it'll go for a couple months. Uh, and then we'll close the and make the drawing. I don't know when we're going to let people know who's won or who hasn't won, but uh, it's a 13, the value is $13,800 hunt. The entry is, I believe, going to be a hundred bucks and the proceeds are going, you know, to health of wildlife's efforts and we'll we'll get into that what we're doing and and stuff but uh you know it's meals lodging uh the tag and taxidermy is not included but uh meals lodging guiding and we're actually going to be filming the hunt so you will have oh okay you'll have a um 
you know, if you want to see some of the quality of some of the films that I've done in the past, you know, just look up John Stallone on YouTube or whatever, and you can take a look at some of that stuff, but you'll have, you know, a full, a full video and myself and Charles Whitwam, who is one of my best friends and the president of Halifa Wildlife will be uh, the guides on that. We're, we're usually the guides in South Dakota too. So, but. Oh, that's badass. Yeah. Just uh, let me know kind of when and I can make sure I, you know, get that, get this episode released. In, sure. In that time frame for sure. Cause that sounds like a really good deal. Cause I, I did uh, this thing a while back is hunt wars is kind of the same concept, you know, where you put in a hundred bucks, gets your name in the hat and then uh, you know, they draw it names out of a bucket and whatever else. And you go on this, it's a YouTube hunting show competition with average people. So I did that. Uh, I got drawn for that in season two and did a pronghorn hunt. Nice. And that was badass. but it's not, you know, it's kind of like a hundred bucks, you know, some people look at that and like, Oh man, a hundred bucks, a hundred bucks. Like that's kind of crazy. But uh, I was talking to my wife about it. She were, we both kind of decided, you know, we spent a hundred dollars on, way dumber shit before so we might as well put it in for something yeah, like that if you only knew the same concept with you you know with if this, you only knew how much money way. how much money i put out a year in uh in just you know tag applications and <laughs> whatever if oh, my yeah. wife knew forget about it i'd be in trouble i'd have to buy oh, more, fuck. more of the yeah, louis vuitton bags <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i spend like uh i don't know it's probably close to 200 bucks just in wyoming preference points so it's like yeah, you know, I mean that 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 all adds up. Then you have a a tag uh, cost on top of that if you, yeah. you know, whenever you do draw and all that stuff. But um, put in a hundred bucks for yeah. something like this, and plus I'm assuming it's it's going to help fund like fundraise for Howl for Wildlife. So it's like exactly. not only can you put in for that, and if you lose, and you know it's still going to a good cause kind of thing. So uh, you can still feel good even if you don't get drawn. So exactly. Well, and, and here's yeah. the thing, you're going to get the membership too. So yeah, like exactly. our, our, our base normal membership is $30, but you're going to, you know, for a hundred bucks, you're going to have this membership. You're going to have your $30 membership and there's going to be a couple other prize giveaways, but that I'm not a hundred percent sure about throughout the year of the people that joined with that membership. So there still might be an opportunity that you can win something uh, that will be product oriented, but I don't know uh, that all depends on our partners this year. So, but yeah, for sure. I mean, especially in the outdoor space and hunting space, it seems like companies are really willing to work with you, you know, especially when it comes to stuff like that and and, um, fundraising for a good cause and all that good stuff. So I feel like, you know, you should, companies are in the out hunting space are usually pretty generous when it comes to that kind of stuff, I think. Yeah. You know, the whole fundraising things, uh, it's a bear, you know, to have to constantly do that. We're, we're actually trying to come up with mechanisms, um, so that we don't have to do that because part of what our problem is, we might as well jump into it now, but the part of what, what's going on is the other side, the anti-hunting establishment is super well-funded, super organized. They're in lockstep on everything. And they almost, like HUSIS, that's Humane Society of the United States, is acts as like a main hub for all these other little tendrils that come off of it, like Wildlife Forever and, uh, you know, the Coyote Project and this. And, that, you know, there's so many different, 
entities that kind of feed off of Hughes's and their mm-hmm. vision, but they get in lockstep together on every single issue. We see the same bad actors at every game and fish committee meeting or commission meeting, excuse me, any, every committee meeting, anything that's bill oriented or if there's a like open comment period, it's always the same people from the other side getting involved. Yeah, and, dude, you see that you see that all over the place. And me, uh, the Victory Drive and stuff, especially like I, I always grew up. I grew up as a a gun guy more than anything, and um, loving guns and just that has always been like my my thing, you know. And I past few years, I've gotten into archery. Obviously, I love bow hunting as well. Mm-hmm. But my passion has always been in like the gun sphere of things, and that's a constant thing with the anti's on the gun side too. It's the same type of person. It seems like the anti's are. It seems like they're always so. But yeah, like you said, in lockstep with each other and they have their messaging down pat and all this other stuff. I almost feel like, and don't mind my gross generalizations here, but um, it's like generalizing the antis are generally of the political left and the hunting community is generally of the political right, right? And it seems like in you that know, sphere as well, it's just you like you the, think the, that the, it is it, that way, a lot. I, I don't. Well, I don't think I'm so. generalizing. Yeah, well, there's actually said, quite don't, a don't few. Don't mind my gross generalizations, but there's quite a few. Um, I think in both in both spaces, but I, I'll speak for the hunting community because I know that mm-hmm. there's a there's a lot of Democrat hunters. Oh, for sure, and, a lot. You know, uh, you, you see that with, like right, it's Ryan not, Buss, like yeah, it's not what you think. See, the, the problem is. Well, I mean, what I'll get into vastly into politics here with this country is that, you know, we only have these two political distinctions. You know, you're either yes. Republican or you're, or you're Democrat. And mm-hmm. the problem is, is most of us are somewhere in between, right? And mm-hmm. you might fall on the left side of the line for, you know, some mainstream things like whatever, I don't know, pro-choice, pro, you know, so one of those things like that. So yeah, you vote Democratic uh, or you, you feel like you, you want to help uh, human rights stuff. So you, you vote Democratic or whatever the case may be. And then the same goes for the Republican side, like, oh, you know, you're a you're a 2A guy or you're, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But the fact that a matter is the majority of us, if we had to categorize ourselves, we probably wouldn't be on really either. Like I, I have a lot of conservative, like most of my, most of my uh, political views, I guess are, are aligned with the conservative side, but mm-hmm. I'm not on the far right. You know, I'm not, no. I'm not, I'm, I'm not on the far right by any means, you know, that would I vote for Trump? Yeah, I would vote for Trump because he's the lesser of two evils. But I don't think that right now anybody that's running for president <laughs> on either side of the fence really is, is very great. But, um, no. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think it's, it's not that I don't think Donald Trump is a great president. Like he did good things, but he's so, mm-hmm. um, He's so polarizing and he pisses so many people off that people will cut off their nose to spite their face yep. just so he 
you know, just so he won't be in office. And it's not good. Right. For, it's not good for the country. Like he's got zero bedside manner. And when you're a politician, you kind of got to be able to do those things, right? Like you can't, right. It can't be just bull in a China shop all the time. There's a time for that, but -hmm. there's also a time to be politically correct, I guess, you know, because you're a politician. You have to, you have to have wear kick gloves with certain things. And, um, I just, that's, yeah, that's my view on it. Take it with a grain of salt, but yeah. Um, I totally agree. And that's, that's kind of what I was getting at when I, I was kind of trying to get to that point with uh, the generalizations and stuff Mm. is if you had to take a poll, I feel like like if you had to take a poll over half, I'd say most of the hunters would fall in the political right. If you had to take a vote, but what I was getting at is the, the majority of people, the, it's the silent majority. And those are the, those are the people that are in the middle. They're not loud. They're not boisterous. They just want to do their thing and be left alone for the most part. And whether that you, lean left or lean right. It's those people that are in the middle that always get overlooked when it comes to um, advocacy of any type and all that stuff. It just seems like there's more advocacy on it. When you're talking in hunting realm, there's more advocacy rank and file members on the anti side because it's kind of hard to get hunters and stuff to really get amped up and, you know, go to these meetings and all this other stuff and really be possible. loud. Cause yeah. Cause it's like, you want a lot of guys, especially they kind of pride themselves on being like, you know, like the silent, like, especially in the hunting world, it's like the silent killers and stuff like that. You know, you want to be, you're sharing your stories and all that, all that other good stuff. You're, we're generally pretty good at that. But when it comes to actual advocacy and um, boots on ground advocacy, it's really hard to get a lot of people to fall in line. That's one thing I do because I've been following the for wildlife for quite a while. And that's one thing I love about uh, your guys' group is that you make it easy like make it pretty damn easy to let your voice be heard when it matters yeah that was the goal we wanted to create the easy button for people we wanted to remove as many obstacles as possible because i know even in my life it's like okay i have x amount of time and i gotta be choosy as to where i use that time Mm -hmm. but if you tell me I can go and do this much good and it take me less than a minute to do it more than likely I'm going to do it. But if you tell me, Hey, go contact your legislator. (laughs) Um, a, who the hell is that? (laughs) You know, B, Uh does that person have anything to do with this particular piece of policy that we're looking at and see how do I get that information to him? And what do I say? (laughs) You know? Yep. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. I get off, I get off work, you know, and I, I go home and I, you know, kiss my family and hang out with my kids and do all this other stuff and yada, yada, yada. And the next thing you know, um, it's, it's bedtime for me and I got to wake up early and, you know, go to the gym or just go to work or do whatever I need to do. The last fucking thing I want to do in my free time is, oh shit, that's right. I need to contact my, uh, representative and let them know like that this, uh, wildlife policies, um, sucks. And I don't, agree with it or it, it's awesome. I do agree with it. You know, either one, right. The last thing I want to do with my free time is talk to a fucking politician, honestly. Yeah. So. No, I mean, nobody really does. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I'm in this space and I, I really would like not to have to, if I didn't have to, um, yep. and, and no, no fault of theirs. Uh, you know, not that I just, it's just another thing to do. And it's like, yep. you know, hunters and anglers, uh, you know, we typically, 
had a mindset we and you kind of said it don't impose your life choices on me and i won't impose my life choices on you we just kind of keep to ourselves you know and i think it's a great way, way to live normally um but however you know the anti-hunters don't make it easy for us and we have to be activated we have to be involved and mm-hmm. and and take it to the next level because we live in a different world now you know i think mm-hmm. i think part of the problem is you know we have one we have that mindset that you and i just discussed but two also like and i don't know i don't know how old you are but when when i was younger and i went to get my hunter's ed we were taught that hunter's ed you know be quiet about hunting don't talk to people about hunting don't display the deer you know basically like operate in the shadows you know so yep. we've we've had this generation or a couple of generations that that's the way we worked that's the way we operated and it wasn't because we're doing something shady we just didn't want to offend people we didn't want to put it out there so you know we were able to continue to do what we're doing but now we live in an age where everything like you can't even go you know pick your nose in the corner without somebody taking a picture of you or videoing you <laughs> and putting it on social you know what i'm saying like you can't do oh, yeah. anything without somebody else knowing like to some extent i mean that's a little exaggerated but we're that in was this such space. far off we're you know yeah. we're in this space and like so back in the day we would take our deer in the back of the truck we would bring it to you know the coffee shop to show all the guys there whatever that was social media like now you post a picture and you mean it for other people who enjoy that to see it but that isn't always the case and no and, it, and also your pictures you put your pictures on like the bass pro wall or something like yeah. that, or cabela's wall you wouldn't put it in a fucking pita um, store. I don't know. You know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't post your pictures, um, your uh, truck bed pictures at the Humane Society or stuff like that. You know, people that don't agree with you'd stay in your echo chamber. And I was kind of, it was preached when I was younger too. It was like, hey, you know, we just stay quiet and do our thing. Mm-hmm. Yada, yada. But yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. Where you post it, it's completely different than taking a picture, getting it developed and putting it on the wall at Cabela's. And um, you know, taking a picture and putting it online for literally everyone to see if they want to and yeah. have and have an opinion about it. You know, like if people walked into Cabela's, looked at the wall and they go, oh, that's a shitty picture. That'd be it. <laughs> and they'd move on. They'd move, they'd move on their way. But right. now that's on the internet. You'd put, imagine if at Cabela's, uh, there was a thing you walked through Comments. Cabela's <laughs> back in the day and you, there, there was like an option to put sticky notes and not like, you know, you'd write on sticky notes, like, you know, Hey, put a sticky note on the pictures that you like or dislike kind of thing. You can write whatever you want on it. Like, that'd be crazy, you yep. know, yep. but that's literally what social media is now where it's like, you're putting it out there and people can just put their sticky notes all over your picture and say that you're terrible or you're awesome. You know, either one, yep. but the one, the comments that get the most traction are the ones when they're trashing you. So, yep. well, and, and that's what happens is like, you don't realize how the algorithm works too. Like at first it starts with the hunting community right? you put something out there and then some hunters will put some negative comments there or whatever. Oh, yo, why'd you shoot? You know, that thing still has lip uh, milk on its lips or, you know, some (laughs) stupid, stupid ass comment or, you know, actually I got, I I got a very good example that I want to, I want to use, but let's finish this line of uh, thought here. Mm -hmm. The, you know, you, they put it out there and now, it opens 
you know, it opens it to the next level of people on their followers. So we all have followers and we all have people that follow us on social media that are not exactly aligned with us, right? There, you know, we have, we all have that, that aunt Mame or whatever, who is against hunting, but she loves you, you know, but she's going to mm-hmm. say something. And now she says something and it opens it up to all her friends, which opens it up to all her friends, you know, and it just keeps getting bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And eventually that's when things go viral. And now it's in front of anybody and everybody, whether they're hunting or not. And that's when stuff happens. Mm-hmm. And, and and on that point, this is what I was going to bring up, you know, some years ago, I don't remember how many years ago now it's two or three years ago, but there's a, and I'm, I'm going to use this example because this will give you or your listeners a, a way to deal with this situation. So there was a guy who posted a video of him running over a wild hog with his ATV, like Ooh. stupid ass shit, right? He'd run it over. The hog would get up and charge him again. He'd run it over, charge it again. Like the hog kept coming in, you're trying to charge him. And he kept running it over with like, and okay, I get it. You want your 15 minutes of fame. You put this outrageous video up there. Now it started off with a bunch of his hunter friends and whatever making comments like, you know, that's stupid, whatever, whatever, whatever the comments were. Some of them positive, a lot of them negative. But you want to say something negative to this guy, so you put a comment on there. And now what you're doing is you're promoting that video. The algorithm looks at that video and says, okay, this Mm -hmm. is relevant. People are talking about it. I'm going to put it out to more people. And I'm going to put it out to more people, more people, more people. So when you see something that is distasteful, when you see something as a hunter of somebody that's in our ranks doing something that is going to hurt hunting, instead of making a negative comment or disliking or whatever they're doing, send them a direct message, a DM that says, hey, um, you know, I don't know if you, you know this or not, but this video might hurt hunting. It might hurt what we're doing you know, consider taking it down. You know, it's not worth Mm -hmm. whatever, you know, 15 minutes of fame you're going to get from it, so on and so forth. And, you know, one or two things is going to happen. Two, he's probably going to tell you to go F yourself and you're not going to get, he's not going to take it down. Or two, he's going to listen. He, she's going to listen and they're going to remove it. But what you're Mm -hmm. not doing is you're not promoting it. You're not helping it get to the next level. Yep. And that you got to keep that stuff in mind. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, I think one question I ask some people when I see them post like a, I don't know, pretty inflammatory stuff or something that I feel like maybe it would be harmful. It's like kind of, it's kind of like ask the question or before you ask yourself the question too, before you post something that you feel like maybe could get taken out of context, just have some self-reflection, ask yourself, you know, uh, what am I trying to accomplish with this video or with this picture? You know, it's like, what am I trying to accomplish here? Like you want to have a goal, like an, um, something that you're like a goal that you're trying to accomplish with everything you post, especially in the hunting community. When 
you know, you're taking the life of an animal and that, sh- that is a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with, with the hog thing, it's like, obviously I, I, you know, they're a nuisance in a lot of places and they, you know, the government, the state says eradicate them as with by any means necessary kind of thing, mm-hmm. especially in like Southern states like Texas, you know, you can shoot them with whatever you want, however right. you want, whenever you want. And that's for reasons because they're overpopulated like a some bitch and you need to start shooting some and killing some and get them off the landscape um, and get them into a, some sort of controlled population. But that doesn't mean if you run it over with an ATV and stuff over and over, it's like, for one, it's like, it's why would you not post like something like that? Like, that's not, no, it's not the right yeah. thing to do for one. But for two, it's like, even if you do end up doing something like that, like, why would you post that for everyone to see? Like, you should have some, hunters need to have a certain level of self-reflection. And is, is it fair? No, because the antis, they can basically get away with saying kind of whatever they want and being mm-hmm. as inflammatory as they want. But that's their goal is to, draw out the worst in like us so they can um, fuel their campaign a little bit more. And they're constantly on the search for shit like that, you know, for videos like that so they can use it for ammo oh, against ab- us. Absolutely. So absolutely. And I, and I know it's like something that everyone says, you know, like, you know, you don't want to give ammo to the antis and all other stuff. And it's hundred percent true because it's one of those things where, you know, you look away for, you know, too long. And then when you look back, it's like, are we even in the same are there things gone? Can you even recognize the landscape that you're in anymore? You know, when mm-hmm. things get whittled away so much, because it's not going to happen in one fell swoop. Like no anti hunting organization has ever like just come out and said like, we're banning hunting period. It's always started with, well, let's ban trapping. Let's ban these methods. Let's mm-hmm. ban these other methods that are un- unethical. It's like, why do you need a, why do you need to trap animals and drown them in underwater or use a body gripper and, snatch them and you know it's so inhumane to do it that way like, we shouldn't be trapping anymore okay so then they ban trapping and say like, oh and then the trapping community is even smaller than the hunting community mm-hmm. so then that gets taken away then it's like hound hunting oh we shouldn't be running running bears and uh mountain lions and stuff with dogs that's unfair like we shouldn't be doing that that's not ethical so then hound hunting gets um you know banned and then the next thing you know it's like oh bow hunting that's not very ethical like shooting things with a pointy stick like that's not very good like just use a rifle like that's way more ethical and then bow hunting gets banned and then oh but now our gun you know it's like it's it's a really slippery slope and if you look away for too long before you know it you know your way of life to be taken from you and you don't even have a say in the matter absolutely well let me tell you i mean the writing's on the wall they've they've you know they've actually come out and said it that they want to get rid of if, if they could they would get rid of all hunting period Right. Um, if they had a magic wand, they would do that. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. You know, now realistically, but, is that going to happen? Probably not. But the reason why is because hunting, and I like to put it like this because it's a little polarizing to say it this way, but there's there's a lot of truth. But we're only around because of greed. And mm-hmm. that is because the hunting is, you know, they... The hunting community, it, it, there isn't. There's an industry attached to it, a big industry. And like, if they wave their wand right now, and hunting went away, it would actually cripple the United States economy. Yep, that's how oh, big it is for sure. Okay, yeah, thirty-three for sure. billion Especially, dollar industry. So, like, yeah, there's a lot of things, and that aren't even counted in that, in those figures of what hunting is. And I've used this example many times. 
you know, there's a lot of people out there that if they didn't hunt and fish, they probably wouldn't own a pickup truck. They wouldn't own an ATV. And those mm-hmm. are things that are not looked at when you're talking about hunting. Like there's there's a lot of things attached to hunting and the culture of hunting that um, that don't get counted into the actual industry numbers. But anyway, that being said, they're still going to do their damnedest to limit as much hunting as possible. And they know that we follow the science. So their biggest tactic right now is let's get rid of apex predator hunting. So lions, bears, wolves, coyotes, anything like that. Okay. So the management on those goes away. And by default, they're going to take more prey animals, deer, elk, Mm -hmm. antelope, etc. So there'll be less need for hunters to take surplus of that because the the apex predators are taking care of it yeah i mean simple supply and demand right so that's that's their view now it's a flawed view because they don't know they don't have a good understanding of how you know management works and biology works and they're going to create these giant peaks and valleys and possible predator pits and all this other stuff like i I tell people all the time that you know anti-hunting is anti-wildlife if they were to succeed they would probably succeed in ruining wildlife they have this theory they have this thought process that if you just leave everything alone it would you know take care of itself and then Mm -hmm. you know that might have been true a million years ago (laughs) might have been true even a couple (laughs) thousand years ago when there was you know, a few million people or less than a billion people in the world, but there's 8 billion of us. And not only is there so many more people, the way we consume, the way we use resources and the way we fragment, you know, habitat and have roads everywhere and consume other natural resources and water and oil and wood and you, you name it. Mm Mm-hmm. We have to, if we don't manage all that is going to, because we literally, you literally, you can affect wildlife by never setting foot in the woods ever in your life. Mm-hmm. The cell phone that you buy, the computer, the, you know, whatever, just things you do in your urban life affects what happens in the natural world, mm-hmm. whether you know it or not. Yeah. And I mean, it's also, you know, wild animals need wild places to live. They're not going to live in a concrete jungle, you know? So who's defending all of these wild places for these animals to live in? It's generally hunters. Yep. And if they go away, then they're like, well, what's the fucking point of defending this? If we can't even use, utilize it the way we kind of want to and all this other stuff, you know, I would, I know a lot of people that would, they only care about conservation because they're hunters and it's, you know, it's a valid reason to care, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where if they weren't hunting, they wouldn't care as much. They'd find something else to do with their free time or something else. But it's like those wild places would go away. Eventually either they get lost to development or something, you know, where they just kind of go away. And then you're talking about like you already alluded to the 
basically the end, ending of these wildlife species that we hold near and dear to our hearts because we enjoy going out and chasing them every year, mm-hmm. you know? So if we, if us hunters go away, then a lot of those resources also go away and a lot of that money also goes away, you know? So yeah. like not uh, every forested area in the West and all, all these mountains and, you know, um, woodlands and stuff, they're not going to be protected. They're not all going to be Yellowstone. You know, they're not, they're just not going to, it's not feasible for the federal government to protect all these places just to house these wild animals. Like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Well, even Yellowstone so, has its problems. If you don't think they've yeah. gone in there and shot things to get populations or captured them and transplanted them somewhere else, you're sadly misinformed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for sure. There, There's no, there's no <laughs> utopia. So even, even no. if you, if you want to like, you know, plant a flag somewhere, uh, in that philosophy, Yellowstone would be it. And anybody who's ever, who's ever been a wildlife biologist in Yellowstone will tell you that mm-hmm. it's not that way. You know, no. it's not all the prey and predators live in harmony and in balance. Do you know how many people go through Yellowstone a year? <laughs> like it's oh, yeah. a ridiculous Lots. amount, you know? Like yep. yeah. So Yeah, and I do really want to get into uh you were talking you touched on it a little bit earlier how uh uh basically you want to call it uh ballot ballot box biology where they're not really taking actual science and using wildlife biologists in order to make decisions a whole lot in some places. And in using apex predators to kind of take the place of human hunters, I mean, we're actively seeing that. Like, I'm not, and I'm not even anti-wolf or anything like that either. I'm not but either, but talk, talk to, yeah, I love wolves. I think they're great. They should be on the landscape to a certain extent, but uh, as long as you know, they can be managed, any, exactly. And talk to anyone in Idaho. You know, when they brought wolves back in Idaho, the elk hunting and mule deer hunting and all that stuff went way down. Took a drastic hit. And you're seeing it now in tag costs and opportunities for people. Because it used to be, Idaho was a very easy over-the-counter draw, or not even draw, just straight up over-the-counter for elk and mule deer and all that stuff. But they're starting to hack away at it and it's starting with um, tag price increases. And they used to have this really cool disabled veteran uh, program where you could get dis, uh, disabled veterans could get discount tags, but then they cut those by a shit ton too because the elk numbers just aren't there to support the amount of hunting that was going into it. And that has a lot to do with the fact that there's a, just a like a huge amount of wolves run on landscape in Idaho and mm-hmm. talk to any Idaho hunter, resident hunter, they'll tell you this too. Like the wolves are destructive. They're very destructive to the population and it's definitely eating into hunters opportunities. And I really do think there is a bit of a plan, especially with the antis. And when you look at Colorado with them recently releasing wolves in Colorado, where it's like that has to, like, you know that they're looking at that as a thing of being like, well, we can whittle down hunting if we can get like prey animal numbers down by introducing apex predators, then that will definitely whittle away hunting. Um, and it's just, just by itself. And I know, I don't know. I'm sure I can assume your feelings on the whole Colorado wolf situation, but yeah. uh, do you want to kind of dive in with your guys's, with, sure. uh, your personal views and then also like how for wildlife and what you guys think about all that stuff? Well, I mean, if you want to, let's talk about the wolves real quick. Okay. So we lost, that was a ballot box initiative. We lost that hunters 
and ranchers lost that by less than 1%. Jeez. Okay. And we are, as a group, hunters are very reactive, never proactive when it comes to these situations. Okay. We wait till things are hitting the ballot. Oh, well, it's time to go fundraise so we can talk to the non-hunting public and raise money so that we can win this. We will never win ever mm-hmm. in those situations. Okay. I can't say ever because we have one here and there, but right. most of the time you will not win because you're not fighting the same battle. You're taking a knife to a gunfight. You're taking yep. a knife to a, a bazooka fight. Yeah. And it's a, it's an uphill battle to put it use like nicely. Yeah. So let's you know continue this on with Colorado. Like during that time, and I don't remember the exact number, so I'm going to give you arbitrary number here because I'm not a hundred percent sure what it was, but I think they raised like eight hundred thousand dollars, which is peanuts in yeah, comparison. Pretty, is it's peanuts for what you need number one to do that type of marketing, and the marketing is this: you're there. This is what happens. Um, so we might as well, well let's back up a little bit. The non-hunting public occupies 90% of the population, approximately. So the anti-hunters, they know if they go into places like Denver, Boulder, Colorado Springs, big urban areas where there's a lot of people, they can disseminate their propaganda because that's what it is. They put messaging out there, you know, little wolf puppies and cute and fuzzy animals and all this stuff. And they, they sway the vote in their favor and they have millions. So right now there is a potential that they're going to try to get rid of mountain lion and bobcat hunting. They put links on it too, but which is stupid because we don't hunt links. It's federally (laughs) protected, but the three big cats in Colorado on a petition and they are poised to spend, I believe they have probably somewhere around $20 million set aside for it. Holy um, shit. They're poised to spend a million dollars a week to win this battle. Jeez. Okay. Uh, and I told you we, we got $800,000 last time. So this time we know that they're the petitions you know, there's still process. There's a title board there uh, that we just had uh, some. And the title board basically is where they discuss what's the title of of the um, the actual bill. And they removed some language that was on there, which went in our favor because they had trophy hunting on there. As soon as you mm-hmm. add trophy in front of anything hunting, let me back up just a little bit so I can explain this. So the non-hunting public, there's a 75% approval rating of people hunting for meat, whether that's deer, elk, whatever. 75% of the population is cool with you going to hunt to procure, procure meat. Oh my God, I can't speak. As soon as you add the word trophy in front of that same question, the approval rating goes down to like 20 something percent. 
And as soon as you start talking about bears and lions, that approval rate goes down into the teens. I don't know the exact mm-hmm. numbers for you. I wish I had them written in front of me, but I don't. So that to just give you an idea. So they know this. And this is that's another reason why they're also always going after bears and lions and apex predators and wolves and all this other stuff because they know the approval rating of the middle ground is very high in their favor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's low-hanging fruit. Exactly. So they had the word trophy in the title, which would have been devastating to the hunting community. So mm-hmm. that was removed. Uh, Dan Gates, which I strongly suggest you get on the podcast. He's a great guy and he's super, super knowledgeable, very well-spoken, can actually give you all the statistics, you know, verbatim and, and kind of uh, run you through the actual what's going on in Colorado. There's a history behind it. This is like the fourth time in the last five years that they've like kind of gone after this. Um, Mm -hmm. That's why if we put a stop now to it, this is their last avenue to take. If they lose here, then we probably won't see them in Colorado for a while. Okay. Uh, going after this anyway so what we what we're doing now specifically for that is we're fundraising now even though we won't even know if they get enough signatures to get this into the ballot if they do you know they got from now to i think september or october if we find out that it'll be on the ballot and like then or might 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 even be sooner than that i can't remember exactly um that's not my cup of tea but once it's on the ballot you know if we waited till then to start fundraising then we'd only have a couple of months so we've already been fundraising and i think last i heard we were at like 1.5 million which was almost double what we had for the wolves and we mm-hmm. still have you know six months of fundraising to go which is good that's great our team is saying somewhere we needed somewhere between three and five million dollars to accomplish what we want to accomplish to put up a reasonable defense and and win this so you know we still got a ways to go to get to that but we're a lot better off than we were last time and i said like like i said we lost by less than one percent it was 0.779 i think Jeez. um percent on the wolves Ugh. and this is this is the problem is that you know going back to we were talking about how hunters you know keep to themselves and so on and so forth when i f- first started doing this and actually specifically when charles and i first started alpha wildlife we got a lot of slack because we were using the word active being active and being activists Mm-hmm. That's like a dirty word, especially for people who are Republican, because it's always been associated with the very far left, you know? Yep. Yeah. It's I can't tell you how many times we heard, oh, you know, that word is, that's what the libtards use and this and that, you know, <laughs> stupid shit. Like, no, if you care about st- something, you have to be actively advocating for it so that you can keep it, you know? Yeah. And it, we have to, we're our own worst entity, our, our own worst mm-hmm. entity by far. And they're like, if we're talking about the wolves again, there is over a million, over a million hunters who are 
in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Okay. If those million hunters all got out and voted, because guess what? We lost, it was like, I don't even remember what the numbers are, but I'm going to give you these arbitrary numbers. It was like 900,000 people voted against having wolves and like 990, you know, 900 and 971,000 or whatever, something like that Mm -hmm. voted against it. So you're telling me that less than the number of actual hunters in the state is what decided that wolves came back in. So Mm -hmm. if all the hunters got off their butts and went and voted against it, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Yep. Yeah. That's what really sucks. Like uh, me, with Victor Drive being on more on the gun side of things too, I've always said that I I tried. I'm really trying to be, I guess, a progressive two A advocate. Where at, instead of like just constantly being on the defensive and waiting and silence and um, waiting for an attack against uh, my way of life, I want to be proactively fighting for it. You know, uh, so like there's certain groups like you know Firearm Policy Coalition, like they do a really good job at this too where they're very proactive, where they're like, we're constantly attacking certain laws and trying to get them abolished in order to free up, you know, gun ownership for more people, you know, actively fighting for gun ownership rather than just waiting to defend. It's the same kind of thing with hunting where we need to be actively proactive in fighting for uh, hunting opportunities and all this other stuff. And we need to be more on the offensive because a wrestling coach of mine told me like, the best defense is a good offense. And that's yep. what the antis know. They know that. And they, uh, so they adhere to that to a T where it's like, if we're constantly on the offensive, then they're going to be constantly on the defensive. And it's really hard to gain momentum when the other side has the momentum because they're the one mounting the attack. So if we're actively fighting for hunting and for hunting opportunities, then it, makes it a lot harder when it's constant, you know, and especially if it's being shown in a good light and all this other stuff that, um, you know, we've already talked about. It's like, mm-hmm. it gets more and more people in the middle. Maybe, maybe, maybe they don't even hunt. Maybe they just, maybe they don't care. They're, they just don't know anything about it. And they have really no like strong feelings for or against, but it's really for those types of people, it's really whoever gets to them first is who's going to sway their decision-making. And those are the people when you're talking about ballot, um, ballot box biology and stuff, especially, those are the people that really matter. You know, we see it all the time in elections and other policies that get put forth is like those the people in the middle that don't have any super hard feelings for or against. Those are the ones that really, really matter. And if we're going to be um, trying to defend the way our way of life, then we need to be we, need, we just need to be more on the offense and take opportunities to progress hunting and try to get more people in the middle that maybe don't actively hunt or maybe they just hunt a little bit, whatever. Um, try to get them more or less on our side rather than letting them, just throwing them off the wayside and focusing on ourselves and the, the hardcore hunters and just focusing in our own little echo chamber because I ain't going to do shit for the greater good, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, what we need to do in our echo chamber is this. We need to start getting everybody on board with the idea that we're all in this together we need to draw the lines or connect the dots so that you can understand why losing bear hunting in you know washington affects a guy in iowa who deer hunts 
Um, mm-hmm. And actually, if you need me to, to, to draw those lines, I'll, I'll, I'll draw them for you. Okay, so let's take that scenario. They lose bear hunting in Washington. There's a certain number of people, a certain number of hunters that that's their thing. That's all they do is bear hunt. So you lose mm-hmm. that sector of population. Okay. Now your voice has shrunk a little bit. Also, now they that's all they did. They bear hunted. They owned guns. They bought ammo. They bought bows and arrows only to bear hunt. Now the funding for PR that they were spending goes away. The license sales goes away. All those things shrink your voice at the table. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know what bear hunting looks like in Iowa, if there is any bear hunting in Iowa, but... Nope, there's no bears, Okay, so. <laughs> You know, they yep. if you had bears, they could potentially now come to your state to get bear, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, we're so interconnected with all these little things, and you don't realize it, but their job is to shrink... Right now, we're their main stakeholder at the wildlife or conservation table. Their mm-hmm. job or what they're trying to do is to shrink that. And you want to take it even further. If you follow the money, talking about 2A, this is an avenue and they get money from anti-2A people and they grants from mm-hmm. other organizations. This is a way to disarm the public. Yes. You're not going to hunt. You don't need a rifle. You don't need to buy that. So... Why do you need that? And most most people, if you took away what they were doing, they'd probably be like, all right, yeah, whatever. I don't need my gun. I'm going to sell it. It's just going to sit there. Yep. You know, so That's you, you got to look. my number one pet peeve, by the way. Yeah. You got to when, when they use the, you don't need this kind of thing, so why should you have it? It's right. Like, Fuck you. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, you know, you, you got to look at it. It's not just the hunters in this. You got to look at it as the sportsmen and the shooting sports across because we're all kind of interconnected and we were already interconnected with the PR stuff. But now if you really look at it, one of their main footholds, one of our main footholds actually as a community to have guns is the fact that hunting requires them. And if you took away 16 million out of the 70 million, 23% 23% yeah. of your constituency, okay? You lose 23% of, of, of people who are shooters or hunters, you're going to lose 23% of your voice. Think mm-hmm. about how much harder it is for you if you're just a guy that likes to go shoot targets is going to have when they come for what you want. Yes. You know, and that's the other thing too. Like, that's why I love the space that I'm in right now being, you know, an avid hunter, but also uh, a two A advocate and a gun guy too. It's like, uh, when we, as hunters and sportsmen, we all love like the Pittman Robertson act. You know, we all, we're all like, oh yeah, that's great. You know, like um, money going back to um, wildlife. Um, but when you look, when you really break down the numbers of the PNR money, mm-hmm. over 90% of it comes from guns, gun, guns and ammo sales. Yep. And I would say the vast majority of that 90% aren't even fucking hunters, or they, maybe they are hunters, or maybe they're just recreational hunters, but a lot of it comes from the sports shooting side of things. Yep. And they're pumping money into 
um, our way of life and they don't even partake in the activity. And that's great. That's a, that's such yeah. a strong partnership that we as hunters and sportsmen should um, really fully support. That's why I fucking hate when certain hunting groups or certain hunters or certain people talk about like, Oh, well, you we don't, we don't really need like you were saying, we don't really need AR 15s and we don't really need thirty round magazines. We don't really need all this, all, all this stuff. So I don't, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't really care if ARs get banned because I'm, I just hunt with a volt action rifle and that's all I really need. So no one should really need that. So I don't care what happens. Yep. And it is the mentality that kills us. And you'll, you'll notice it as, especially if you're a hunter or a fisherman or outdoorsman in general, if you see that PNR money go dwindling down when they start banning certain weapon types that other people like to, like to use, especially in the sports shooting side of things, it's like, dude, you're losing a huge chunk of your conservation money like a huge like sure. a huge huge yeah. chunk so it's like we really need to be in line more like with the hunting community and the 2a community we all need to be together because like the Pittman robertson act whether you like it or not it did bring those two worlds together and really ingrained us so we need to support each other as well you know yeah. so and you you see it on you see it both ways you're gonna see sport hunters like why why do i have to pay 10 percent more well, even though they're not paying it, it's the manufacturer i guess right. it you know it all trickles down anyway but yep their view on it is oh you know what what how am i benefiting it from but a lot of pr goes to public shooting ranges goes to mm-hmm. shooting sport related things like ranges and and um like well hunter's ed is hunter's ed but but it goes to those type of programs that cultivate more shooters and that's why you know nssf like they support it and not only support it they champion it um Mm -hmm. and that's why the gun manufacturers you know years and years ago saw the writing on the wall there was actually a a bill that was coming up that was sponsored by a Republican uh, senator and had like 50 people backing it, 50 senators backing it. It was called the um, the Return Act. Yep. Um, they were trying to remove Pittman Robertson from the hunting or uh, from the firearm industry and hunting world, basically. And they wanted to put it to like oil or or something like that i don't remember the exact details mm-hmm. actually when it happened i knew it very inside and out but i don't know it now um yeah as representative andrew clyde by the yep, way yeah clyde yeah, exactly mm-hmm. and you know that that was a pandora's box that actually mm-hmm. gave ideas to the anti-hunting community that's what they've been looking for. They were like, oh, yeah, they got by. As soon as you knew that Houston was supporting that bill, you knew it was bad news, right? Yep. They were like, yeah, <laughs> let's get, let's do that. You know, like, you got to understand this is a user pay system. Mm-hmm. And your voice, like going back to what I said about earlier about the greed, your voice gets minimized and, and it's little. The, the smaller it becomes, the less you know, we're important to politicians and decision makers when it comes to, mm-hmm. and you're going to lose stuff. You're going to lose it. Like any of these acts that are coming up that are, you know, on face value, they look great. You're like, oh, cool. More money for, you know, more money for wildlife conservation. It's about time that, you know, they start taxing the, you know, non-hunting public for these things. And you're like, wait a mm-hmm. second. 
But now you're giving a voice to everybody else. Yep. You know. Yep. Makes your voice a lot weaker when you do that. Yep. That's for sure. So. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. You know, when it, when it comes to the return act, you know, uh, you know, I under, I honestly, I looked at it pretty hard, and I do understand Clyde's point of view, where it's like, why are we taxing a, you know, a inherent constitutional right? Like that doesn't make sense. We don't tax any other rights like this. Like that doesn't make sense. And he, you know, in his defense, he was trying to, yeah, trying to figure out other ways that he can support conservation without taxing a constitutional right. You know, so I get, I feel like I kind of understand where he is coming from. Do I agree with it? No, because I think that would fracture the, the, like I was saying earlier, it, it would definitely fracture that, uh, cohesiveness between the two groups mm-hmm. because honestly like hunting by itself is pretty weak the the second amendment side of things like the gun side of things like it's a lot it's honestly a lot bigger yeah. than hunting sure. and if we're all together and we're intertwined and we're linked together with this common thing like Bivin robertson or something like that you know it's like if we're interconnected like that then we will have we should have each other's backs more i feel like when push comes to shove but there's this, there's a constant fracturing between the two sides, it seems like, and it's bad actors really sowing that division, and it's disgusting, you know, because we've always been, as far as I can remember, hunters and you know, gun guys, we've all we've all been on the same team, mm-hmm. and I don't know, man, I, I love bow hunting too, and I do, I'm, I get a little conspiracy theorist in my head a little bit about things, but I almost sometimes I almost wonder. If the because there's been a huge influx in the bow hunting community, right? With uh, you know, cam hands and all these other awesome bow hunters out there, like really pushing that lifestyle, which is great, you know, because mm-hmm. it pushes the sport ahead as well. I feel like, but I, I don't know, a little piece of me almost wonders if that's another way to kind of get at the gun thing. And that's just a conspiracy theorist in my head, you know, thinking out loud, I guess. Yeah. But you know, it does make give me a thinking, you know, a little bit where it's like. We all need to stick together and make sure that bow hunters and gun hunters and uh, sports shooters, we're all on the same team here and we all support each other. Because imagine if in Colorado, uh, being kind of a split state, it's more of a swingy state, if you will, because it has Boulder and Denver and stuff when it came to the wolf thing. Imagine if all the sports shooters got involved as well. Because like, well, we don't really like that because my buddies that hunt a lot like they also don't like it so I'll, yeah i'll do do them a favor and mm-hmm. help and vote for it as well like it would have been a resounding like no like yep. to the wolves in colorado thing but there's kind of just a bit of a divide between the two communities and that's one thing i got i love about being like i said before being the position i'm at and where hopefully i can kind of bridge keep be a bridge between the two communities once it start get going a little bit more but it's like i just want that to stick i want hunters and shooters and everyone to really stay cohesive and get more in lockstep like you were saying when it comes to defending our rights and uh being proactive about getting more opportunities to do the things that we love yeah absolutely you know and in the half of wildlife we've gotten shit for not getting involved in 2a but people don't understand you know you have a mission statement you get a um approval from the irs to have your 501c3 and you have to stay pretty much to your mission so like when we formulated it's tough if if we can draw the line to wildlife with 
with that, we get involved in it. But because mm-hmm. you, know, you know, personally, there's been so many times where like, shit, man, when you know, me and Charles are like, crap, they're trying to get this or they're trying to do that. And personally, you get involved, but as an organization, you also have to stay within mission. And it's, you know, it's tough. Like I would love to be able to use the power of the tools that we have with how wildlife for every two way issue that came up. Well, what I, that, so I get what you're saying, you know, you want to, you got to stick your mission statement. I understand all that, but like, uh, SCI, like they delve into the gun conversation whenever it comes up to SCI as a C, so that SCI is a C4. Oh, do they see that's the thing? I don't really yeah, know. It, that, it, well, so believe I, me, I, know I learn every stuff. day. It's it's a freaking oh, okay. It's, okay. A, <laughs> it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare. Oh, okay. Yeah. So as a C3, yeah. you know, your the C3 status is like the epitome of what is tax exempt and you know, you make donation. If you make a donation to it, you 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 know, there's a there's a tax credit for it. A C four, there is not. But a C four can okay. get heavily involved in political things like like we can't even tell you which way to vote like i could provide you with information i could give right. you education and i could give you the tools but that's also why like our action center you can change the words you know you can put in your own messaging because by law or I'm not really sure. I know it's definitely by tax law, but I don't know by mm-hmm. by all laws here. Um, you're, we're not allowed to do that. You know, we right. can lose our C three status because of that. So uh, yeah, okay. So I, I get that, but I think um, so. That's kind of my complaint with some of these um, conservation organizations. Like you know, I'll just name. I guess like TRCP and BHA. Mm-hmm. Um, that bothers me about some of those groups is I feel like maybe you don't you know you don't need to do funding and um act like i guess go as far as like funding for uh, i guess the gun issue whenever it pops up but you know it doesn't definitely doesn't hurt like you won't lose your c3 annotation i guess if you just like put shit out there right like you can say whatever you want correct or you have to be really careful about what you say even and make it, sure it, you're de- it depends the parameters. it depends it depends like i said if i like so there's been stuff that's come up that we've gotten involved in but we presented it from the wildlife standpoint, like with PNR funding, mm-hmm. you could spin that in order to make it a conservation sure. issue, sure. make the gun issue a conservation issue as well. Correct. Yep. Absolutely. We okay. Can. We can. Yeah. You know, if it's easy to draw, if it's easy to draw the line, then yes, we can do it. Okay. You gotcha. Know, and I understand. It, like, you know, if this the goes away, it's all that shit. Yeah. If this goes away, we're going to lose X amount of PR funds, you know, um, and that could have impact this or impact that. And yes, for mm-hmm. sure. I guess the, for me personally, it's like, I would love to see more cohesiveness even with uh, conservation groups, because in my research that I've done on it, it's like PNR funding is substantial for conservation funding. Mm-hmm. And like I said, over 90% of PNR funding comes from gun sales and ammo sales. And I feel like that's a kind of a miss on some conservation organizations that they're not delving a little bit more into the gun debate, if you will, or lending their voice, Yeah, and, you know, in, in, in BHA in, and in BHA's defense, they did come out and they put out a, uh, a thing. They uh, updated their website and said, you know, Hey, we're, you know, 
pro 2A, like we support everyone's constitutional rights, yada, yada, yada. And I guess great. Um, I would just love to, me personally, it'd be great to see more cohesiveness from these very influential groups like you guys, BHA, TRCP, all of, all of them, all the conservation groups that you can think of. It'd be awesome to see a little more cohesiveness between the two sides and not make, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, I so, agree. I 100% yeah. agree. Do you know, I mean, do you know how powerful we would be as a unified group if sportsmen, oh, if you talked about sports shooters, fishermen, and hunters, we would never, ever, ever lose anything. Nope. And yeah, it'd be awesome. <laughs> but that's that's part of the problem. I mean, we listen, let's let's even take away the sports shooters and the and the fishermen. Okay. We just did that just in the hunting community. If we had everybody unified and we were all working towards the same thing, we still mm-hmm. wouldn't lose anything. The problem yep. is, like we said earlier, we're our own worst enemy. And you know, everybody's got opinion about this and opinion about that. And I don't do this. I don't hunt that. I'm a bow hunter. I'm a rifle hunter. I'm an elk hunter. I'm a deer Mm -hmm. hunter. Everybody labels themselves as something. And this is what they cling to. And nobody gives a shit about the other guy. You know, no hundred percent. You know, there's There's almost too many niches within the hunting community. Yeah. Well, there's, I, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's more than that, really, to be honest. And that's the, we're so fractured. We're so, there's so many little pockets of, of, of this and that, that, you know, it's like, we're never going to be effective if we're all working in different directions, you know, we can do our thing, you know, we can have that critter group that, you know, supports elk hunting or supports sheep hunting and we can have those things. But there also has to be a conduit from that entity to the other entity that was doing that is doing the work, you know. And we mm-hmm. when we actually when we envisioned this, we envisioned how for wildlife being like JSOC. Like how all the you know, there's all these branches of the military and whatever that do their thing, mm-hmm. but they report back to central command. Yeah. You know, not that we want to be the puppeteers. Like, I don't want to puppeteer anything, but there's one person, one group focused on doing this and everybody else is supporting it, you know, and we can pass out the information and they can put it out to their membership base. And so, you know, that would be, that would be awesome. We're actually working on a project right now. Um, that I'm not going to get into too much, but is more centralized. We want to have the ability to mobilize quicker to get involved. We don't mm-hmm. want to be reactive. We want to, we want to be proactive. And um, yep. I don't want to talk about it yet too much, but that is, uh, that is on the horizon. So I like that. I I really like that um, analogy really hits home with me. Like I understand it hundred percent what you're talking about where, yeah, it would be, it would be awesome if there's like a, a more centralized hub for everyone to kind of get behind because there's not really every group, um, especially conservation groups, every conservation group has its own little niche, you know, Mm -hmm. and it'd be awesome to have one that's like broad enough to accept everybody 
but also I guess it has to be niche enough also in order to really garner support, you know? So it's definitely a weird balancing act, that is. you know, but like, you know, everyone has, like, like I said, every conservation group has its own little niche. It's trying to placate to or something, but yeah, it's like, that's tough. It's a tough one. You know, it's almost like Joe Rogan, his podcast is so popular because he covers so many different avenues, mm-hmm. but that's a tough sell because if you're too broad, then you're not really honing in on certain niches. You know, some people feel a little bit unloved, you know, right. And they don't support as much when it's so broad. Yeah. But everybody should be able to get behind the fact that we're going to keep the heritage alive by going down this road and whether that's, you know, deer, deer hunting, bear hunting, whatever, it's still protecting what it is we love and 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 the wildlife and and the habitat that goes with it so yeah it shouldn't be too hard for people to get behind and no i don't for the most part we've we've you know we've been accepted with open arms and in the beginning especially we 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 met some opposition but uh those walls are coming down Mm -hmm. for sure so i know personally with everyone i talk talk to uh because i talk to quite a few people and whenever you guys come up as an organization it's always been positive uh, it's never been, you know, it's like there's certain groups, conservation groups out there that aren't so positive with the crew that I talk to the most, I guess. But whenever I talk to people about like how and stuff like that are here and being talked about, it's always in a positive light. So I think you guys really are doing something right with your messaging for sure. And not just your messaging, but you have, I feel like you guys have really proper messaging, but you also follow through, you know, you're not hiding a whole lot guys seem a lot more of an open book because that's one thing you get with certain nonprofits is that uh, correct me if I'm wrong but like upwards of like 80 percent of the money can be used for quote-unquote administrative services so some people get a little jaded with certain nonprofits when they hear these crazy stories about you know funds getting squandered you know so we we with health wildlife we looked at all the rubs, so to speak, mm-hmm. looked at all the things that people had mistrust in and had problems with. We also looked at all the obstacles. And what we've done is we've tried to create something that was void of all those things. Uh, super mm-hmm. transparent. Um, but real quick on, on what you were talking about. So there is a they can use up to 80% of for administrative stuff, mm-hmm. but they're only allowed as a 501c3, you're only allowed to use 20% of your total expenditure for advocacy. Oh, so you're only allowed to use 20% for advocacy specifically of your expenditure. So if you spend a hundred thousand dollars a year, on education, on administration, on uh, installing water holes, whatever, you can only spend 20000 on advocacy. No shit. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Like I said, I know there's a lot of BS <laughs> associated yeah. with being, no. with, and, and these are all things that I'm learning as, as we go along. Um, yep. So... But, um, wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty wild. But I mean, I guess I can kind of see why, but at the same time, like 
if you're if you're non if you're a nonprofit, your five hundred one c three is kind of based on advocacy. That makes that that's a kind of a tie in your hands behind your back a little bit there, you know. Yeah. No. It well. That's why most most advocacy groups have a c four. Um, and we might yeah, it's a lot we, looser. We, we might be we might be doing going down that route too. So I don't. I yeah. Um, you know. There's, there's a lot of organizations that have both. That way you can do more things. But still, even that, there's a lot of like, you know, being able to share funding from one side to the other. And people want to donate to a 501c3 so they get a tax break. If you donate to a, 50, you know, to a C4, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't get a tax oh. break and this. You know, like there's a lot. There's a lot of BS. A lot of stuff that ties your hands. It's almost better... If you and and I brought this up when we were starting off, to be honest with you, I always almost wanted to have a for-profit company, like Change.org uh-huh. is a for-profit company. I could say, do whatever the hell I want without any regulation as a for-profit. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, people are not going to get money for you know tax deductions or whatever for their donations, but change.org makes billions of dollars. <laughs> they're so they they make so <laughs> much money because what people don't understand is you're not donating to the cause. You're paying change.org to promote that petition. Mm-hmm. That's where that money goes to. Like when you go do a change.org thing, like oh here, you know, another $5 will will, you know, amplify this the voice that you, you think you're giving $5 to the you know, save the snipe uh, petition, but you're really just giving five dollars to change.org to open it up to more mm-hmm. people. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty tricky, and there's there's so much of that crap. There's so much of that crap that going on. So is change.org? Are they uh they're a for profit company? Yeah. Or yep. Oh no shit. Yep. They're I never up, known straight that. up company making money. Damn, that's <laughs> smart. Damn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, I see where you're going with that, though. Like so, you'd be so much more free to do, yeah, whatever you want, basically. But right. obviously, then you guys would become a, a taxable company as well, or yeah, whatever. So you know, you have to be paying your taxes and stuff. Because five hundred one c threes, that's a huge, that's a big thing too. It's like you're nonprofit, so you don't have to pay taxes on the money that you're giving. Correct. That's that's the 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 golden the juice right it. there i guess yeah you know? yeah that's what you're supposed to be yep. doing but you know it opens up a lot of doors it um, does you know and and you you're trying as a 501c3 you're you know you have to be super tech uh super transparent and you know as a ngo whatever you want to you want to be transparent you know right because it gives so, trust and everything else yeah, exactly Mm-hmm. But I mean, at the end of the day, you're asking people to, especially in today's day and age when there's less and less uh, disposable income. Yep. It's kind of tough to sit there and be like, hey, guys, give me this much money. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to fucking eat at five star dining and yeah. private jet everywhere. You know, it's yeah. like, well, dude, I don't, I don't have that much money. And you say you're going to do all these good things with my money that I'm giving you. But then I see fucking 
John Stone out there yep. acting like Sylvester Stallone. You, know, you, you, don't, you, don't, up, you, don't, you don't see know? that, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> no, no. no that's Char- totally, Charles and I that's, have not <laughs> even taken a single dime, have not even taken a single dime and paid ourselves even a wage. Exactly. And that, just, honestly, uh, just, it, just for people who are wondering. So Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we covered quite a bit um, yeah, in this and, hour and a half as well. So uh, I guess just if you want to go over kind of, you know, your guys' mission statement, kind of give us your pitch on Howl uh, for Wildlife and wherever can find you, best places to get signed up and all that good stuff. Sure. I mean, we really didn't get into the mechanism what Howl for Wildlife is, but Howl for Wildlife, mm-hmm. the, the website specifically, uh, we have tools on there um, that connect you, the hunter and angler, to the decision makers on policy that affects wildlife management or the ability to hunt and fish. So, you know, if you went to the action center and you looked at an action, you'd open it up, it would educate you on all the, on all the points. And at the end of that education, you can put in your name and your email and it will send, the system will send an email from you to all the decision makers on that policy and it's randomized we upload anywhere from a couple hundred to a couple thousand different variations of the email so it's not like a canned email like if you go to a a different organization's action center they will send the letter from that organization to your one legislator which may or may not have anything to do with that policy at all and it'll be on an email like on behalf of so-and-so organization and our fifty thousand members you know john stallone uh, agrees with this statement and Mm -hmm. that's not very effective unfortunately um Mm -hmm. so what we've done is we've created a the easy button it really takes if you don't want to educate yourself and read through the thing you just like hey i'm i trust that you guys are and you could just put your name and your email in there and you can literally be done in 30 seconds um it's it's super easy and you know going back to what we were talking about earlier well let me continue with that we we um we created several different membership packages we tried to create value where like with partners like go hunt like so if you want to use go hunt insider you can go and purchase a go hunt insider subscription from Halfa wildlife and go hunt as one of our partners gives us money every time and you get a full subscription plus you get the the half wildlife membership included so mm. like it would be it behooves you not to go to Halfa wildlife to buy your subscription uh, so you're supporting Alpha Wildlife. You're getting more bang for your buck. There's special giveaways with it, stuff like that. So there's a lot of those things. Like you can join Pope and Young, American Bear Foundation through Alpha Wildlife, and support both for the same price it would cost you to go get a Pope and Young membership. Like so, there's stuff in okay. there like that. We've also created a free membership. Like you just want to be involved, but you can't spend money right now. Whatever. We're, that's the we're the only organization that allows you to get involved as a member 
without taking your money. I didn't want to tell people, hey, you, if you don't want to give me $30 a year, you can't speak up. You can't get involved because mm-hmm. that's crazy. Um, yeah. So we've done, you know, w- we broke molds by doing that. We are, there's a lot of like exclusivity deals where, you know, this gun manufacturer or this, you know, name brand or whatever would work with a, a uh, organization and that organization would, would promote that to their member base and they would get in turn, get funding for it. We don't do that. We mm-hmm. want, you know, just, just, and I was talking about our memberships. We deal with go hunt. We deal with on X. We, you know, they're, they have their, their competitors in the industry, but we're working, we're trying to show the unity. We all like, right. Hey, out there on the street, yeah, Sika and Kuyu, you guys are mortal enemies or whatever, you know. But <laughs> when you're in the when you're in the sanctum of Halfa Wildlife, you're you guys we're all on the same page. We're all conservationists. We're all trying mm-hmm. to save hunting and fishing, and um, so that's that's the messaging that we're putting out there. And what I want, I'm going to leave this with your listeners. What I want you guys to do is I want you to go out there. Educate yourself on the model of wildlife conservation, North American model of wildlife conservation. Educate yourself on that. And I want you to think long and hard about why you hunt and if it were to go away. But I also want you to think about all the human things about hunting, the intrinsic values, the things that are important to you about hunting and formulate a minute, two minute like dialogue about that. And I want you to start talking to people that you know. We all know people. We all touch people on a daily basis that don't know know anything about hunting and your coworkers, whatever, and start having conversations with them. It's like you were saying earlier. If I have a conversation with somebody and I tell them, you know, these these are the things I love about hunting. These are the meals I make. This is the camaraderie. This is, you know where the money goes, this is what happens with wildlife. And this, the reason why you can go hiking in the woods and the reason why you can access that trail on your mountain bike is because of, they understand these things. Then when stuff comes up in the ballot, they're going to be more sympathetic to you and not mm-hmm. to what they're seeing propaganda wise. So do that, start talking to people, but educate yourself first. Cause the last thing we want is people to go out there and be like, you know, this is my right, you know, just, and, and, and also we don't want the wrong information getting out there. So it's, it's important that you become a well-rounded, understand what conservation means, what hunting means to wildlife. And once you feel comfortable in that, then you start having those conversations. And I promise you that's going to go a long way in the future. So uh, other than that, go to howforwildlife.org, become a member, support us. If you want to get involved in the Colorado thing, and I think you should, uh, like I said, we're all connected. We, uh, if you go to savethehuntcolorado.com, that money is going to the tip of the spear, which is Coloradoans for Responsible Wildlife Management. They are running point on that. That's Dan Gates that I told you you should have them on. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. That's it in a nutshell, I guess. Perfect. 
That is perfect, John. I really appreciate you coming on and explaining all that stuff and talking with me. I think it, I, I, me personally, I've been following you guys for quite a while and uh, I'm going to lie. I did the free stuff on house. I get you guys emails and stuff and I, I fill it out when it's relevant for sure, but I should be doing it a lot more than I am. So I do appreciate you coming on and explaining all that to everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hey guys, thanks for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Keep those reviews and those comments coming. Helps us keep this free. Do me a favor, go check out Phoenix Shooting Bags. Use promo code John Stallone to save 20%, all one word. And check out Howl for Wildlife. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next show.